0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today, you probably notice, for those of you who have been Orthodox for a while at least, it's the first Sunday of the Triodion. We have the Gospel of the Publican and the Pharisee as a signpost to remind us that we are moving forward into Great Lent. But today, also, I'm tempted to talk about the saint today, St. Nikiforos. If you haven't read the front of your bulletin, don't do it right now. You'll read it when you get home. Suffice it to say, St. Nikiforos was an example to us of forgiveness. And his counterpart, who was a priest, the priest Saprikios, was a dear friend of his and they had a great fight between the two of them. Big argument. Division. And this was the time of Christian persecution. So yes, even persecuted Christians fight. And they were fighting against each other. But then Nikiforos had repentance, compunction, and he sought forgiveness with his dear friend. But his friend wouldn't give it. And he sought it. Even his friend, who was a priest, became uh, one of the those persecuted. And so he was brought before the governor was going to be tortured, and so Nikephoros rushed up to him even at that moment and said, please, please forgive me. Let this be past us. But his friend wouldn't. And so his friend began to be tortured, and he accepted to sacrifice to the pagan gods. And right at that moment, Nikephoros stood up and professed Christ and was martyred. And it says, he received the crown that his friend had thrown away. And he lost that grace of God because of his lack of forgiveness. It's a very compelling story for us. But that's not what I'm going to give a homily about today. I just had to tell that story. Last week, I talked about self-sufficiency. And as we're gearing up for Great Lent, this is a worthy topic. Because as we get ready for Great Lent, we as Orthodox Christians say, okay, let's get our boots on, let's get ready. We might have some loathing, some trepidation about it, but it's this time of increased vigilance, of increased spiritual effort, ascesis, all of this is what we have when we think of Great Lent. And so it's worthy that we talk about self-sufficiency. Last week when I talked about it, I spoke about the way in which this is such a common way of being for us, and yet it's a delusion, because we aren't self-sufficient. And the indicator to that is by these different ways in which we try to cope with the life that we don't have control over. And so we find all these different ways out, whether it be by watching lots of movies or TV shows or drinking or whatever, many different ways, vacationing, whatever it is, it's not that those things are bad, but the way in which we approach them. Because we ultimately have to face our self-sufficiency and the delusion that that is. So when we look towards the fast, we think of all these things that we need to do, and God tells us we need to do these things through the church. And so we can quickly get into this same path of self-sufficiency in our spiritual lives. I need to do all these things, and look, God told me I need to do all these things. But you see, we don't want to move in that direction. We know that this is something that, brings about our own isolation. You see, when we look at our spiritual lives, we also have the same way of viewing it, the same way of approaching it, in which we try to do everything ourselves, and try to prove to God ourselves. And so we face the great fast and we say, I can do it. Or maybe some of us say, I can't quite do it, it's going to be tough. But still, either way, we tend to rely upon ourselves. We tend to fall back on that same way. So today I wanted to talk a little bit about what we can do to get ourselves out of that delusion of self-sufficiency. What can we do? What steps can we take? The very first step is to see it. And fortunately, we have many times in our lives where we do see it. Sometimes by our own revelation, we realize, I'm not able to fix this thing about myself that I keep trying to fix about myself. Sometimes it's revealed to us because God allows things to happen in our lives. Situations where the only thing we can see in front of us is, I can't do it. I don't have control. But in each of these, we can also turn back and sort of double down, buckle up, and say, I just need to try harder, so we can still fall back onto the same path of self-sufficiency. So the first step is to see it and to say, no, I can't do this myself. The next is to realize that we don't have control of our lives. This is a hard one for us. We know it, and yet we don't know it. And then we know it again, and then we don't know it. We keep going back and forth between this because we keep trying to control our lives because not controlling our lives is pretty scary. So we try to control our lives. And then we see once again, I can't control my life. From this, we can begin to sort of break away from this false reality in which we live. When we can see that, in fact, I can't control my life, I can't do the things that I want to do. You're not alone. This is what St. Paul says. The things that I will to do, those I don't do. And the things that I don't will to do, that's what I do. That's familiar to all of us because this is the story of our lives. So, in fact, this journey away from the self-sufficiency is a movement into reality. Into reality. Because as we make this move, we begin to see, yes, we don't have control. And we can be at peace about that. But the only way that we can be at peace about that is then if we turn to God. And so the most central step in all of this is repentance. Repentance. How is that? How is repentance related to this journey away from self-sufficiency? Well, if I thought I was self-sufficient and I realize I'm not, that's something to repent. That's something to say, Lord have mercy, God forgive me, because I keep trying to do it my own way. I keep trying to make my own path, and I keep running against walls. But then I get up and I try to do it again. All of this is the language of repentance. You see, and repentance then becomes the central thing in our lives because we have so many ways in which we're trying to control things, to manage things, to make things work out in the way that we want them to, sometimes all painted up as this is what a good Christian is and should be. And that's true, this is what a good Christian should be. But to recognize, I can't do that. I want to do that, but I can't. All of this is repentance. And then finally, what does repentance bring about? What we see in the Gospel today, humility. Humility comes out of repentance. We can't force ourselves into humility. We might imagine that, be humble. I just need to be humble. What's the the work that I do there to be humble? There's no work to be humble. The work is the work of repentance. Because if I repent, if I see that I can't do it myself, I keep on failing, and I can recognize that, that just brings out humility within us. So if we don't have humility, repentance is the key to that. And this is really what we see in the Gospel today. We see in the Gospel where the tax collector, he's standing afar off, he's beating his breast, in one of the commentaries it said that it's like he's trying to force a change in his heart, a change in his heart by beating his breast. I want to change my heart to not be hard anymore is what he's saying. And then he says, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And our Lord says in the very end, he who humbles himself is exalted. But how did he humble himself? Repentance. Repentance. So we see humility is actually the opposite of self-sufficiency. Do you see the steps that we took to get there, to realize that? Humility is the opposite of self-sufficiency. So now what does self-sufficiency look like? What else is the opposite of humility? Pride. This is what we see in the Gospel. Pride is the opposite of humility. Self-sufficiency is the opposite of humility. Therefore, self-sufficiency is pride. It is. And we know this if we think about it, because it says, "I can do it myself. I can do it myself." And if we're not sure that pride is at the root of that, just listen to what St. Theophilex says in his commentary. These are hard words, so we might need to chew on this a little bit. Pride is contempt of God. When a man ascribes his accomplishments to himself and not to God, this is nothing less than the denial of God and opposition to him. Pride is contempt of God. Why? Because we're saying you didn't do it. It's a denial of God because we're saying, you're not active in my life. I'm the one that's active in my life. God is not active in my life. This is what self-sufficiency is. This is why it's the same voice as that voice of pride. Listen to what the, public, the, the, uh, the Pharisee said. It says, he prayed within himself. So our Lord, even with his precise words, is showing he's not even talking to God. He says God, but he's not even talking to God. So he continues his prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other men, extortioners, sinners, adulterers, and even this tax collector. I fast twice a week. We can all raise our hands for that. I give alms of all that I have. In all of this, what part is he attributing to God? Nothing. He's attributing nothing to God. And so, in this way, he is denying God, even with his standing in the temple offering a prayer to God. He's denying God. Because he really wants to come and say, Look, God, look at all the good things that I myself did. Am I righteous now? And I know that I can relate to that. Look, God, look at all the good things I'm trying to do. Am I righteous now? We can distort it so quickly and so easily. And this is the path of the Pharisees. Look, God, I'm doing all these things. Am I righteous now? This is not what God is asking of us. He says, I want to dwell in you, I want to soften your heart, I want to transform you from the inside out, I want to do it. Why? Because he knows that we're incapable of actually doing it ourselves. He knows that. And that doesn't bother him. It bothers us, but it doesn't bother him. He wants to come into our souls and transform us from the inside out. And the Pharisee in the gospel today has given him no opportunity. No opportunity at all. Instead he said, said, look God, here are my good works. Am I righteous now? But what is he doing? The truth of his heart is revealed. Because he's judging, because he's thinking of himself as great. He's already answered his question. There's a beautiful quote from uh, St. Cyril talking about this gospel in which he says, it's like the athlete crowning themselves. Imagine an athlete running a race, finishing the race, and then they just jump up onto the podium and grab the trophy themselves. This is what pride does to us. God is the one that will crown us and he is the one that will do the work in us. Our work is to let him. So as we approach Great Lent, it is no accident that the church has given us this gospel so that we can begin this journey away from self-sufficiency, away from pride, and into repentance, into true humility. So may our work this Lent and for the rest of our life be the simple, difficult work of repentance. God be merciful to me, a sinner. Amen.